0: Brought to you by the Mutual Audio Network. For a name like Mutual, it has to be good.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult.
2: Magic and magical people. The unnatural order is all around us. There are white witches, black witches, demons, vamps, werewolves, shapeshifters, ghosts. It's a protoplasmic party of creature features out there. But unless you know where to look, you won't find them. I know where to look. My name is Harry Strange. For the start of this final chapter, we begin at the home of Serenity Walsh, the leader of a pseudo-cult built around the messages inscribed on the Georgia Guidestones. One truck in the garage.
1: How do you want to play this?
2: We were standing outside our rental car looking at the front door. Let's flank them. You go to the right and I'll go to the left. See if we can figure out the interior layout through the windows. We'll meet in the back. Are you listening to me? We could just go to the front door. Well, that would take away any element of surprise. Too late. Okay, then. Let's try the direct approach. You carrying? Does a stripper wear a thong? I love it when you talk dirty. Not now, Harry. You started it. A young woman, no more than 18, stepped from the house and onto the porch.
3: Lieutenant Summers, Mr. Strange, please, come in. We've been waiting for you. I'm sure you have hundreds of questions, and I plan to answer them all. But first, namaste. Welcome to my home. Namaste. Namaste.
2: Now. How about you tell me how you came to hold the biggest metaphysical prize from the New Age cereal box?
1: Cereal box? I'm kind of hungry.
3: That's easy. They came to me.
1: How did two Catholic nuns come to choose a young girl barely old enough to vote?
3: It's a convoluted tale about a friend of a friend, but after their plane almost crashed, they were happy to have the Guidestone members and I waiting at the airport. We gave them food and shelter.
2: I need to see them.
3: Of course. They're in the back room resting. I should warn you, though. The pregnancy has been rough on them. Fiona especially.
2: Yes, I would think so. I'm sure it was a challenge for all of them.
3: You should have come sooner, Harry. They've been through much and needed protection. If not for the Guidestones, they may have died. Several of my members have. Who killed them? Others who want the mother and child. There are things in the shadows that will stop at nothing for the secrets your child holds. You understand who your child is, right?
2: I've been told many things. Why don't you tell me your spin on the situation?
3: I don't spin. I speak the truth. Your child will usher in a new age of man where all living things exist in perfect balance. Man will no longer be the cancer on the planet. He will become another equally invested stakeholder. We are ushering in a new age of global unification and rational spirituality. The old world, the old guard, will be replaced with violence if necessary by a new peace. And your child is the touchstone. No one, not even the father of the Chosen One, can interfere with that. But <laughs> there is time enough for these discussions later. Fiona is in the back room. The two nuns are with her.
2: What does my daughter have to do with the Pythos of Pandora?
3: Then it is true... Praise the goddess! This is better than I had hoped. Your child, a girl most likely, will rule through peace, and the Pythos will be her totem. <laughs> there isn't an army that exists that can stand before her.
2: Like the Ark of the Covenant?
3: Do you have the map to the Ark? Not on me. But your daughter is the map to the Pythos. You have made me a happy woman, Harry Strange. I dreamt the prophecy was true, but didn't dare to speak it. I must tell my people.
1: Come on, Harry. We should see Fiona.
2: You may want to hold off on making any calls, in case I'm wrong. Let's go, Amanda.
1: Harry should do this alone. Thanks. When I need advice from a new direction, groupie, I'll ask you.
2: You were a little rough on the girl back there. She's evil. She's a hippie new ager. Probably hasn't eaten bacon in years. I'd be a little cranky, too. She's dangerous as
1: is your child. Have you considered that the people who want to kill your baby are right?
2: No, not for a second. I opened the door and Amanda and I stepped inside. Two nuns flanked a bed in the center of the room. The nun on the left was sleeping, her stocking feet propped up on another chair. Her robes had hiked up her leg and a considerable bit of her thigh was visible. The nun's head had rolled back and her mouth was open. A line of drool traced a path from the side of her mouth and down her throat. The other nun had her back to the door. She was stroking Fiona's hand the way a mother soothes a child. Her own unwashed hair was pulled back in a bun. Fiona had changed. Her hair was stuck to her forehead and neck like seaweed to a shipwreck. Her once beautiful face was swollen with jowls and deep-set wrinkles cracked the skin around her eyes and her nose was long and sharp. The flesh on Fiona's hands was as thin as an onion's. A milky fluid filled one eye, and the other glared at me. Hello, Fiona. I don't think she recognizes you. Fiona, it's Harry Strange. A tongue that was covered with fuzz like a rotted plum moved across Fiona's lips. I leaned over the bed and brought my ear next to her lips. The smell of sour milk made my stomach roll.
4: You did this to me, you son of
2: a bitch! Ow, shit! Get her off of me. She's biting my ear. Damn it. Open your jaw, you old witch. No! Don't threaten her. If she or the baby is in danger, i will
3: attack. What, Will? I don't know. Something colossal with
4: tentacles?
2: I hate tentacles. What the hell, Fiona?
4: Don't you what the hell, Fiona, me. This is your fault. And I'm going to the eternal death because of your spawn. Look at what this beast has done to me.
2: You don't look so bad.
4: You're a lousy liar.
2: You sound healthy. You have the jaw strength of a pit bull.
4: You're lucky I didn't bite your ear off. It's nothing less than you deserve.
2: I didn't know this would happen. I didn't know we were fulfilling some ancient prophecy.
4: I was there. I felt what you were fulfilling.
2: I didn't think Succubi could get pregnant.
4: Neither did I. You think I wanted this? I will die giving birth to this child, and it's your fault.
2: As I recall, you were as involved in this as I was.
4: Oh, it's so easy for you, isn't it? Do you know why I became an angel of Lilith's?
2: Poor critical thinking skills.
4: Because I was tired of being treated like cattle by men who thought a little piece of meat dangling between their legs made them superior. Oh.
2: Was that before or after you tried to send Lilith to the eternal rest?
4: That was centuries later, and hardly the point. Oh Shit! Did Lilith send you to taunt me?
2: No, Fiona. Someone did what you couldn't.
4: Lilith is dead? Did you kill her? No. Of course not. You were her bitch boy to the end. Oh, Oh, goddess, that hurt! Oh,
2: Amanda, I think it's time. What can I do? Sister, we're going to need blankets.
1: Have you ever delivered a baby?
2: Yeah, once.
1: And how did that work out for you?
2: Okay. Well, the baby was made out of stone, but that had nothing to do with my delivery skills.
5: A stone baby?
2: Technically, it was calcified, not stone.
5: Oh! What
1: evil surrounds you, sir?
2: It wasn't my fault. There was a woman who couldn't conceive, and she was tricked by a witch. We don't have
1: time for one of your three-part stories. I've delivered five babies, all flesh, all alive. I'll take point on
4: this.
2: She would have done a crackerjack job under normal circumstances.
4: Tearing out my flesh from the inside! Oh, oh Lord
5: It's the hand is pushing against your stomach! Oh, from the inside! Oh it's ripping my skin! Blankets! Tell Serenity we need blankets! Our Father, who art in heaven? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses.
2: The as room we took on a shaky camera view. Sister Odelia was on her knees in the corner, praying. Him. Amanda was on the bed, feeling Fiona's belly and saying something to her. Sister Maria and Serenity were back with blankets. Sister Maria took one of Fiona's hands and started stroking it. Fiona's back arched.
5: <coughs> Odelia! Get on the other side of Fiona.
2: The shaky cam continued as Adelia ran to my side of the bed and held Fiona's hand. Amanda scooted down between Fiona's legs.
4: I don't see anything yet. You'd better get a spotlight down there because this baby is coming!
3: What can I do? That child must live! Screw you, Serenity. The mother
4: must live. Oh, Oh.
6: good.
2: Fiona's skin pulled apart. A W-shaped incision formed between her breasts and downward towards her navel. Blood oozed from the wound.
4: Blood and ice, the freezing fire, speak the name of God's desire.
2: Her skin slipped further apart.
5: Is that a... 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 hand?
2: The baby's hand poked through Fiona's stomach. We all froze for a moment. The hand waved, then started reaching for something.
4: Is that the baby's... Oh, my goddess.
2: Fiona's good eye rolled back into her head as the baby's other hand punched through her stomach. The child started to cry and choke.
3: Do something! Save the baby!
2: Fiona's stomach tore open.
3: Harry, help
1: me!
2: I grabbed a blanket as Amanda put her hands into Fiona's belly and pulled out a gore-covered baby.
1: Harry! Cut the cord! Cut the cord!
2: I used my dagger of Yago to slice through the umbilical cord. Amanda snatched the baby and ran to the bathroom. I heard the bathwater running.
1: Ten fingers, ten toes. It's a girl. She seems healthy. Praise the Lord! Oh, thank God!
2: Fiona's eyes were closed. She lay in a depression of her own blood, a breath away from the eternal death. Give me the baby. Put the gun down, Serenity.
4: I
3: want that baby, and if you don't give it to me, I will shoot one of you.
2: No, you won't.
3: Odelia, talk to me. Do you believe me now? Give me the baby. Drop the gun, girl.
2: Amanda stepped out of the bathroom, her HK drawn and pointed at Serenity's chest.
3: I can't. You don't understand. I am the steward of the next generation. That child represents the new birth this world requires. My people are on the way, and you can't fight us all. Call off your pet, Mr.
1: Strange. Pet? I'm the one holding the gun. And I will drop you where you stand if you don't toss yours aside. Odelia's dead! Oh, my God, she killed Odelia!
2: No one else is dying today. I've seen Amanda shoot Serenity, and she isn't lying. From that distance, she'll put a third eye hole in your head.
3: Maybe, but my mission is from a greater power and I cannot be stopped.
2: Serenity fired at Amanda. When it was clear Serenity was going to pull the trigger, Amanda dropped to the floor as Buckshot punctured the door behind her. I dove over the bed and grabbed the shotgun, but Serenity held fast. Amanda, are you okay? Yeah. Check the baby! I tore the gun away from Serenity. She kicked out, almost catching me between my legs. Serenity started to fight me for the gun. The air next to her shifted, and it weaved into a distortion that was like looking through a sheet of frosted glass. A hand as tall as Serenity forced its way through the distortion and grabbed her around her torso.
3: What is this? Mr. Strange, help me!
2: The hand lifted her up and flipped her over. No! I tried to pull Serenity back, but the pinky on the hand flicked me away and into the wall. The hand smashed Serenity's head into the ground until there was nothing left but a pulp of skull, brains, and blood. In a blink, it was gone, leaving Serenity's body in a heap on the floor. Uh. Behind me, Fiona took her last breath.
1: The baby is okay. What happened?
2: Let me see the baby. She was a tiny thing, but she was, as far as I could tell, a healthy baby girl. All digits and limbs accounted for. She had two eyes and a head of blonde hair. This was my daughter. This was my daughter. Harry! What?
1: I said, what do you want to do now? Amanda, I've been shot. Damn. Sister Maria, sit here.
2: Amanda helped Maria into a chair in front of a vanity. Maria had taken the majority of Serenity's second stray shot. The plus side was that most of the shots were grouped around the left of Maria's stomach. Nothing too vital there. We need to be quick, Amanda. Serenity called her nutball friends.
1: I understand that, Harry. Perhaps we can tell Maria to stop bleeding.
2: Do you have that kind of power? Seriously? Just fix her. Time is not on our side.
1: Let me dress this wound. Go find something to swaddle the baby. Swaddle? Wrap the baby. Put her in something for warmth.
2: I found several baby-sized blankets next to a diaper bag filled with baby bottles, diapers, pacifiers, more blankets formula, bibs, wipes, zinc oxide. Wow. It was like a pound of stuff for every ounce of baby. Serenity thought of everything. Yeah. Unfortunately, Serenity's addict was stuffed with crazy.
1: What's that? And why is it in a diaper bag?
2: Good question. I haven't seen a ceremonial dagger from the Hakon era and well, ever. Hakon? One of the elemental ice kings, popular around the 13th century. Nasty fellow. All about blood rites and child sacrifices.
1: You think Serenity wanted to kill the baby?
2: I don't know. How's the penguin?
1: Sister Maria is weak, but her bleeding is under control. The blood made the wound look worse than it was. Where to now?
2: Night falls. I have places there where we can keep the baby safe.
1: What about the rest of the Georgia Guidestones cult?
2: Screw them. We were driving through a storm of noaic proportions. It was as if nature wasn't just cleaning herself, but cleaning the entire human race. In the twelve hours it took us to drive to Night Falls, we had seen cars pulled over and a few broken down. Under normal circumstances, I would have offered assistance. Sister Maria was sleeping, her breath falling in a regular pattern. Sometimes things do work out. The baby was awake, but quiet, her eyes large and observing everything. As if she could learn just through visual absorption...
1: What are you going to name her?
2: I hadn't given it any thought. I just assumed that.
1: What? That Fiona would name her? You were planning to let a demon name your daughter. I wonder where your head is sometimes. What's this? Harry Strange Speechless. How about your wife's name? What was that? Madeline?
2: Maddie? Nah. Too many conflicting memories there. Is there a rush to name her?
1: We need to call her something other than the baby.
2: How about Harry's daughter?
1: Still not a name. A name tells us what she is, not who she is. Take you, for instance. You're a strange.
2: Except I'm not. I was originally Romeo Chase.
1: You're proving my point, Romeo. And what about you?
2: Amanda Summers? What's that
1: mean? You're the detective. You figure it out. Ah, look there. Be it ever so humble.
2: I never thought I'd be this happy to see the Welcome to Night Falls sign. Head over to Haxon's.
1: At this hour? It's not even 10 a.m.
2: Trust me, I have a plan. Gonna tell me what it is? Nah, you won't like it.
1: Are you out of your mind, Harry? She can't
5: stay here.
2: It's just for a few days, until I can figure out what to do with her. I stood inside Jory's room at Haxon's. She was sitting on the bed playing with my daughter, who was cooing and giggling back.
5: Haxons is not a place for a child.
2: Every demon, elder god, cult leader, and their half-witted sidekicks are looking for my daughter. I need to put her somewhere safe. Hexen's has the truce. This is the safest place in the universe for her.
5: In case you've forgotten, my young have eight legs and blow out of here in the wind. The only thing I know about human babies is their insides are soft and tasty, like liquid bacon.
2: Jory, this is my daughter we're talking about.
5: Relax, Harry. It's been centuries since I've done that. But am I really the most qualified to do this?
2: You're my best option. Just for a few days?
5: The owners, the Haxon Brothers, have strict rules about children of any species staying on the premises.
2: (laughs) Ew, that's foul. What? (laughs) Oh, yeah. That'll peel the white off of rice.
5: Really, Harry?
2: Sorry, I didn't mean it that way. Watch this. Put her on your dresser. I removed the diaper like a pro, twisting and closing it without missing a drop.
5: I must say, I'm impressed with their newfound nurturing skills.
2: Yeah. It's a gift. What's that? What? This? It's zinc oxide. Helps prevent diaper rash.
5: Not that. That on her belly.
2: That's the stump of the umbilical cord. It'll fall off in a few weeks.
5: No, dumbass. On her stomach.
2: I don't see anything.
5: It's right there. Every time she cries, the lines pulsate in red.
2: I watched my daughter cry and all I saw was the most helpless of humans expressing herself. In this moment it didn't matter that she was the child of a succubus and whatever I was. All that mattered was that she was my daughter. Put these on. Jory handed me a pair of sunglasses with lenses the color of overripe lemons. The room took on a greenish-yellow tint. My daughter took on a pallid glow through the glasses, but I could see what Jory was talking about. Across the front of her body, from her neck to her waist, were intricate lines making a familiar pattern. Is this how you see the world?
5: Every day. What are those marks?
2: Hmm. It kind of resembles... a map?
5: They are fading as the baby stops crying.
2: Quick, give me your phone. I want to take a picture of them. Here. Ah, It's too late. She's sleeping.
5: We need to make her cry again. Pinch her!
2: I'm not going to pinch her, you eight-legged freak. Try this. What is it?
5: Think of it as skin cream. Rub it on her stomach, and it will show any scarring under the skin.
2: The lotion was cold and smelled like bananas. With the lightest touch I could muster, I rubbed the lotion on her. Nothing happened.
5: She won't break, Harry. You can put a little more pressure on her.
2: I rubbed a little harder. Little red bumps, like a rash, faded in on her belly. They were faint and not as easy to see this time. Take a picture of it. Got it. Okay, I'll be back when I figure this out.
5: Whoa, fella. What about the baby?
2: Did you not hear the part about keeping her safe? This is the best place for her.
5: I don't know.
2: Please, Jory. Keep my daughter safe.
1: (sighs) I swear you're going to be the death of me. I don't know, Harry. I see a massive blob of nothing. It's just a birthmark.
4: It would be easier to see if the baby were here. It could be a sheep.
2: That would tie in with Christian symbolism.
4: How will any of this find my honey poo?
1: Do you have any idea how ridiculous honey poo sounds from a woman your age?
4: Like I care what a substance abusing ex-cop thinks? Watch your mouth, bitch. Why don't you make me?
2: Let's stay on task here we need to figure out what that mark is on my daughter's belly it's key to our next step
7: why are you so sure about that
2: please I've been at this long enough Gabriella, how are you feeling
7: I still don't remember anything before a couple of nights ago
2: it'll come back to you darling I'm certain we were in my office Amanda Delena, Gabriella, and I were studying a picture of the marking on my daughter's body sister Maria was resting in the other room Amanda had given her a cocktail of some antibiotics, and Delana used some of her magic to heal her wounds. Gabriela was still not back to herself. However, to Gabriela's credit, the birthmark did look like a sheep sitting on all four legs. Now we just had to figure out what that meant.
7: What would a sheep have to do with the end of the world?
2: According to Revelations, a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes is sacrificed to release the seven spirits of God onto the earth.
7: And in a loud voice they said, worthy is the lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise.
2: Yes, that's about right. What else do you remember?
7: Nothing. That just popped into my head. Lamb?
1: Sacrifice? Harry? You don't think the plan is to sacrifice the
2: baby, do you? No, no, no. That's not happening. No one is sacrificing my daughter must mean something else.
7: Maybe it's a map. It could be. Look at the jagged edges, here and here.
2: Hmm, these wavy lines could mean water.
7: It's an island!
2: I think you're right. These two dots here, one of them is the actual destination.
7: He's right. The top one has an iron cross on it.
2: We spent the next half hour discussing geography and the differences between islands and archipelagos. Subjects none of us would pick up as a category on Jeopardy.
4: This is a stupid waste of time!
2: Amanda was the first to make the connection between the mark on my daughter and the country. She was Googling country shaped like a lamb or sheep when she found it.
4: Is that where we are going?
2: I am. You guys can stay here.
4: <laughs> I don't think so, tough guy. My honey poo may be there.
2: How would your honey poo know to go there when we just figured it out?
4: He's smart. Smarter than you.
2: Have you considered that maybe Finney ran away from you?
4: Do you talk to all of your clients this way? I paid you money, mister, and I am staying with you until you deliver. I don't feel safe staying here. I guess it's a foursome. Five. Unless you plan to leave Sister Maria here. What do you
7: think we will find?
2: The Pythos.
4: According to this, that island is Kolbanese, or Hakon's
1: Palace, as the locals call it. Essentially, it is a giant volcanic rock without any vegetation and only transient birds as wildlife. It's the northernmost part of Iceland and is even further north in the Arctic Circle. Oh, you'll love this! In the past 100 years, the island has shrunk from 150 square miles to about 20 square miles. Geologists believe the island will completely disappear in the next five years. Kolbeinsey is unstable, subject to microquakes periodically through a 24-hour period. The island has many caves and one heliport for scientific expeditions, However, because of the unstable nature of the island, travel to it was prohibited in 2004. The last flyover in 2010 showed part of the heliport and associated barracks damaged, most likely due to the quake activity on the island.
2: Well, if you're gonna hide a pythos of epic power, we're better than the edge of the world. We were leaving the office when I saw it. Whose phone is that on the floor underneath the desk?
1: Um, Harry? This isn't just a phone. See that icon on the main screen? Someone spent about 150 bucks to turn this phone into a bug. Look at this. Someone sent a text about six hours ago to activate listening mode on this device. They've heard everything we've discussed.
2: Can you tell who it is on the other end? Nope. Son of a bitch. Let me see that phone. Thanks. <laughs> Hope you felt that.
1: It's a little late to smash the phone.
2: Yeah, but I feel better. We took Amanda's old Chevy in order to fit everyone. She drove. I rode shotgun. In the back seat were Delana, Sister Maria, and Gabriella. What if we need the baby?
1: What if her hand is the key to the pythos or something?
2: She isn't hell, boy. And if we do need her hand, we'll find another way. I'm not bringing my daughter to the Arctic Circle to fight some ancient evil. No, I've made my decision. The baby stays here.
3: It could be hope.
2: What did you say, Sister? <clears throat>
3: According to the legend of Pandora's box, after she opened it and allowed all the horrors to escape,
4: she slammed it closed before Hope could get out. Maybe Hope is what you'll find in the box. Yeah, that's it. Maybe it'll all be unicorns and cotton candy. We can all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Harry, if your daughter is meant to be there, she will be there. Shouldn't you at least
1: call whoever is taking care of her? Tell them you're going out of town?
2: Nope. We've already announced our plans to someone. I don't need them tweeted to the world.
1: So you would rather have someone tortured and killed than let them put your adventure at risk?
2: This is not an adventure. This is the world I live in. I've had to make choices and do things that no human should.
7: Why does this burden fall to you?
2: Because I was in love. Amanda, watch out!
7: Damn it! Hold on!
2: We were almost to the overpass entrance to the highway. I could see the semi-truck traffic barreling below on the interstate. What is that? I don't know. You three, stay here. Amanda, come with me and watch the tree line. Whatever did this may still be out there. I had my forty-five out and down by my side. It was loaded with my special silver-cased wooden core bullets. Amanda was behind me, her HK compact automatic up in front of her. I motioned her to watch the woods while I investigated the gauzy material on the bridge. It smelled sweet, like cotton candy, and it had the consistency of flypaper.
7: Harry,
1: come here, look at this.
2: I wiped the sticky strands off on my pants and jogged over to Amanda, who was sighting her weapon into the woods. Wait, don't shoot.
1: Are you twisting my panties? Do you see what it is?
2: Yeah, I see it. She's my friend.
1: Oh, huh. of course. You have a friend who is a giant spider monster. Who doesn't?
2: Well, apparently you don't. The spider stood about three feet tall and six feet wide. My eyes searched around her for my daughter. Jory. Jory?
7: Um,
1: Harry, it's turning this way.
2: Just stay behind me, Amanda. The spider turned, its legs lumbering through the undergrowth of the forest. It faced us, her mandibles snapping open and closed, wet eyes considering us. Jory was a friend, but in her spider state she was wild and unpredictable. Sort of like that guy everyone likes until he's had a drink or seven and then becomes a volatile time bomb. As the spider advanced on us, Amanda took a step back. I held my ground. At about three feet away, the front half of her body began to elongate until it was the top half of Jory's body fused into the bottom half of a spider.
5: Harry, please.
2: What's wrong? Where's my daughter?
5: I'm sorry, Harry. I... I can't.
2: You can't what? Where's my daughter, Jory?
5: Have you seen the Hexen brothers, Harry? Do you know what they are?
2: I had heard stories about the brothers. Smart money bet they were some type of Lovecraftian abominations. But I'd never seen them.
5: They visited me today, not long after you left. They are difficult to look at. You can't shake the feeling that they are wrong. They are bigger and smaller than they appear at the same time.
2: Jory leaned forward and put her human arms around me. We must have made an awkward sight. A spider woman creature sobbing hard enough to make both sides of her body shake. Amanda holstered her weapon and rubbed Jory's shoulder. It's okay. Shh.
5: Shh. I'm sorry, Harry. I can't protect her anymore.
2: Where is my daughter?
5: The brothers aren't like you or I. They have things everywhere. They flow in the air, but they walk. They said I violated the rules. I tried, Harry. But once you've been in their presence, everything is corrupted.
2: I felt her breath on my neck, followed by a piercing as she bit me. Oh shit, Jory! I'm
5: sorry, Harry. I can't continue. Nothing is right anymore.
2: She pushed me out of the way and ran past, her eight hairy legs pumping up and down. She cut through the webbing on the overpass and jumped on the railing, teetering on the edge. Jory, no! Tears streaked her face. She released the guardrail. I ran toward her, but even infused with Jory's venom, I couldn't reach the ledge in time. Jory landed feet first on the interstate. The first truck hit Jory as she touched the road. She smashed against the wall of the overpass, her spider legs folding under her. After a second she stood, listing to the side like a broken toy, and walked back into the traffic lanes. A tractor trailer hauling backhoes swerved. Jory leapt in the direction of the swerve and the truck hit her full on, the grill crushing her spider form. Jory was little more than some flattened flesh and brown and red fluids on the interstate. The one trucker who stopped to investigate what he hit was vomiting in the breakdown lane. I felt sick and responsible. If I hadn't left my daughter with her...
1: Harry! I found your daughter!
2: Amanda was staring at a ball of webbing about six feet up in a pine tree. The webbing was fashioned into a basket and hanging from a low branch. Clouds passed from the front of the moon and the forest filled with silver light. The shadows from the branches created grotesque humanoid shapes on the ground. I stood on my toes and grabbed the sticky webbing. What was Jory talking about? My daughter was cold, but healthy. Here is her diaper bag. I don't like this place. Let's move.
4: Give us the baby. Yes, we want the child. Let us hold it.
2: Who said that? Don't know. Don't care.
4: We want the child. It's such a beautiful child.
2: The forest had come to life and was talking to us.
1: Harry! Watch out!
2: I stopped running just as a shadow swooped across where my head would have been. Another shadow appeared to my left. It had arms like tree branches, but other than that, it was dark and flat as any other shadow. More arms reached out from other shadows. Give us the baby.
5: We want to hold it.
2: Manda shot into the shadow, and the effect was what you would expect by shooting a two-dimensional object. The response, however...
1: Something has my arms!
2: One of the shadows grabbed each of Amanda's arms and started pulling her in opposite directions.
1: Give us the baby. We will split
2: her like a
5: wishbone.
2: I tucked my daughter under my arm like a football and drew my weapon. The shadows pulled tighter on Amanda's arms.
4: Harry, do something! Give us the baby for this one's life.
7: We will snap her and keep breaking your friends. Until you give us the baby They are pulling me apart
2: Think, think, think I pulled the hammer back on my gun
7: This way, quickly
2: Gabriella yelled at us from the car Delana stood next to her Her lips moving as she pointed in our direction A thin blue light flashed from her finger to the tree by Amanda In the next instant, that tree was engulfed in flames The shadows disappeared in the light and Amanda fell forward Come on, Amanda, I have you More trees burned as we made our way toward the truck. Well played, Delena. Bright light kills shadows.
7: What about your daughter? What are we going to do with her? Providence seems to think she is meant to be with us on this journey, Harry.
2: I guess she's coming with us. I was thinking that Providence was a real bitch.
6: Harry Strange, Episode 315, What Lovecraft Said, Part 2, was written by Tony Serechia and directed by Jason Tyler. Sound design by Molly Silverman and Tony Sarecchia. All material is Copyright 2018 by Tony Sarecchia and used with his permission. Featured in tonight's cast were Kellen Stenet, Laura Carlis, Lindsay Mosier, Julie Still, Emily Jane, Trisha Groves, Crystal Lowe, Jackie Costello, and Leanna Adams. To keep up with the latest news and information on everyone's favorite private investigator, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com harrystrangeradio send your questions comments and suggestions to producer at harrystrange.com Harry's opening and closing theme music was written and performed by Ryan Lessard and is copyright by Ryan Lessard and used with his permission contact Ryan at rlessardmusic at gmail.com incidental music was written and performed by Kevin McLeod and is copyright by Kevin McLeod and used with his permission Visit Incompetech.com for more of Kevin's music. Sound effects licensed by Soundsnap.com. Be sure to join us next time for the finale of the Harry Strange radio drama. I am Joanne Fruden. Good night.
2: The world is indeed a comic place, but the joke is on mankind. H.P. Lovecraft said that, and he knew a thing or two about cosmic jokes. Hello, Harry. Happy to see me? Have I ever mentioned that you know how
1: to show a girl a stupendous time?
2: Divine intervention? I would expect that from the Penguin, but not you. Harry Strange, you're the patsy behind this.
0: I should have known. The Harry Strange series finale drops on July 15th.
6: <laughs>
0: and now, Mutual of ohms providing spiritual insurance for your past, your present, and your future since 500 B.C., proudly presents Wrinkley's Believe It or Forget About It, bringing you strange but true tales and oddities from all over this wide world. And here is your host, Mr. Robert Wrinkley. Hello! I'm Robert Wrinkley. Next, do you believe in ghosts? Most people don't, but they change their minds quickly if they spent a night in... The Haunted Hotel. That's the famous nickname of the waldorf and ant storager hotel located in the historic city of Sandusky, Ohio. Built in 1890 on the site of a street battle between local candy makers, union ravel-rousers, and city police, the hotel has long been touted as haunted by the ghosts of the men killed there that fateful day. Guests who stay in room 305, for example, often complain about being awakened in the wee small hours by the sound of someone noisily chewing taffy. Across the hall in room 302, guests have reported that their sleep was disturbed by the incessant popping of bubble gum. And diners in the hotel restaurant have had entire tables upset by the unseen spirits of union agitators, climbing up to give long-winded speeches. The hotel is still open for business and does a booming trade during the month of October. Believe it or forget about it. You've been listening to a special feature of Pulp Puri Theater. Wrinkley's Believe It or Forget About It. Brought to you by Mutual of Ohm, Providing spiritual insurance for your past, your present, and your future since 500 B.C. This is Gramercy Noun speaking. We return you now to our regularly scheduled program.